Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host and storyteller, Kevin Kane, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, here to bring you more chilling tales to fill your night with terror. If you haven't visited my website yet, you're missing out. Be sure to go to myhauntedolls.com and check out the books I've written. I have supernatural novels based on true hauntings and haunted items, along with my nonfiction books that tell stories of my haunted dolls, even a book about my neighborhood I grew up in and the eerie tales of ghosts and legends that abounded there. If you'd like, you can hear me tell those stories. Legends of Indian Narrows, Ghostly Childhood Memoirs is available on audiobook. If you have Audible or iTunes, be sure to check it out. It's also available on Amazon. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel. Just simply go to My Haunted Dolls on YouTube. The website is youtube.com forward slash c forward slash my haunted dolls again that's youtube.com forward slash c forward slash my haunted dolls and watch some videos of actual spirit box sessions and evps with my haunted items and also some story videos that tell you a little more about a few of the haunted dolls that I keep here in my home. And now let's get down to business with the first story of our episode. It's a nice little creepy bloody ditty called Crazy Lady. Bob had been out in the woods all day hunting for deer. When he got back to his little cabin, it was almost dark, and he was shocked to find the front door was standing open. Cautiously, he crept into the cabin and was surprised to see a young lady standing in front of the fireplace. She was the most beautiful girl he had ever seen. She had a really pretty face and long brown hair that came down to her shoulders. She was wearing a white vest that was tied up over her stomach and a pair of blue jeans that accented her curves. The young lady said her name was Jessica and she was lost. She had come out to the woods to stay at her father's lodge but had wandered off and could not find her way back. She said she had spent all day wandering in the forest, trying to find help. Bob said that he would help her, but it was too late to go walking through the woods. She would have to stay the night in his cabin, and in the morning he would lead her back to her father's lodge. 
Jessica thanked him and offered to cook him dinner in return for his kindness. Over dinner, they talked for a while, and Bob was glad to have company. He didn't meet many women, living alone as he did in his little cabin in the woods. Eventually, Jessica started to get sleepy. It was almost two o'clock in the morning. Bob told her she could take his bed, and he would sleep in a chair. She climbed into bed, fully dressed, and before long was sleeping soundly. She looked like she needed the rest. Bob watched her as she slept. He thought she was one of the most gorgeous girls he had ever seen. He wondered if she could fall in love with a man like him. She was the kind of woman he had longed for all his life. Young, brown-haired, and beautiful. As Jessica slept on the bed, he sat in a chair, listening to music on the radio. He kept the volume low so that he would not wake Jessica. Then, just as he was dozing off, the music on the radio was interrupted by a local news broadcast. The reporter said that the police were combing the area in search of a prisoner who had escaped from the state hospital for the criminally insane. Bob's ears perked up at that. The reporter said that the woman who had escaped was armed and dangerous. She had been convicted of the grisly murders of her husband and four other men and was sent to prison. Psychologists who examined her declared her mentally ill and she was transferred to the state hospital for the criminally insane. However, as she was being transported, she managed to overpower her guards using a knife she had stolen from the prison cafeteria. She stabbed them to death and escaped into the woods. The police had been searching for her all day. On the radio, they gave a description of the crazy lady. She was five foot four, twenty-six years old, brunette, and very attractive. She had been wearing a prison uniform when she escaped, but they said she would probably try to steal some clothes to disguise herself. The police warned people to be on the lookout for the crazy lady and advised anyone who came across her to keep their distance. Bob's blood froze as he looked at Jessica, lying there peacefully on his bed. She fit the description perfectly. Young, brunette, beautiful, and completely insane. She was the escaped maniac the police were looking for. He was sure of it. 
and he was sure of something else too. She was planning to kill him while he slept. Oh, he was not going to let that happen. He knew what he had to do. Suddenly, Bob jumped out of his chair and threw open the front door of the cabin. Jessica awoke with a fright and looked at him, a confused expression on her face. He grabbed her by the hair, pulling her out of bed, and began dragging her towards the door. She started screaming, and her arms flailed wildly, wildly trying to catch hold of him. He managed to wrestle her to the front door, then with a, with a mighty heave, he threw her out into the darkness. She landed on the grass outside and immediately jumped up and came running back towards the door. Bob slammed the wooden door shut and had just enough time to lock and bolt it before she slammed into it. He braced himself against the door, expecting her to break it down at any moment. He could hear her outside, pounding on the cabin door with her fists, kicking it with her boots, and shouting at him to let her in. And then he heard a scream, an ear-splitting shriek that made him shiver. It sounded like the howls of a crazed animal, the kind of sound that could only be made by a person who was completely insane. Then there was a horrible silence. He could hear something shifting and moving about outside the wooden door. He was shaking with fear, ready for anything. After a while, he noticed a thin trickle of blood coming under the door. Soon, it turned into a pool of blood flowing across the floor at his feet. Gathering his wits about him, Bob slowly opened the front door and was horrified by what he found. Jessica was lying there in a pool of blood and a large knife was sticking out of her head. She was completely naked and her eyes were glazed over. His mind raced as he tried to understand the strange scene that lay before him. But stranger still was the neat pile of blue clothing which was sitting on the grass beside Jessica's dead body. Reaching over her naked corpse, he picked up the blue clothes and, turning them over in his hands, he realized it was a blue uniform. There was some black lettering printed on the back. It read, State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. He fell to his knees beside the dead girl's body as he finally understood what had happened. The crazy lady had murdered Jessica for her clothes.
but that was a creepy tale of terror and a good lesson to never jump to conclusions or judge a book by its lovely cover. <laughs> and now we move on to our next tale of terror. This next story is sure to give your blood a nice cooling chill. In fact, we call it Blood Stains. After the murders, the house had lain empty for two whole years. The newspapers were full of sickening details about the brutal crime, and whenever prospective buyers heard what had happened behind those gray, concrete walls, they stayed well away. Then one day, a young married couple named Mr. and Mrs. Griffin came to view the house. They liked the look of it, and the price was very low, so they decided to buy it. Before they moved in, they had some workmen come to clean the bloodstains off the walls and the bathtub and the kitchen sink. They had to install new carpeting to cover the stubborn bloodstains on the floorboards, and even after airing the house out for a week, there was still an odd smell that lingered in the hall closet. The Griffins thought it was best to avoid telling their children about the grim history of their new home. There was no sense in needlessly upsetting the little ones, and it might cause them some sleepless nights. For the first few days after they moved in, things went splendidly. The children had a party and invited all their friends from school. Mr. and Mrs. Griffin went around and met their new neighbors. It seemed like they were all settling in quite nicely. One night, as they were getting ready for bed, Mrs. Griffin was in a thoughtful mood. Did you know that one of Mrs. Bentley's hands was found in the kitchen? she asked. Oh, said her husband, really? Yes, but her fingers were in the dining room. How ghastly, replied her husband. I wouldn't mind if he had used a gun, she said, but the way he carried it out, bits here and bits there, well, he made a mess of the whole house. Well, it wasn't all his doing, said her husband. If Mrs. Bentley hadn't insisted on dragging herself around from room to room trying to escape. Well, she wouldn't have had to drag herself if she hadn't if, if he hadn't chopped off her legs, said his wife. I suppose you're right, dear, Mr. Griffin replied. Do you think we should invite the Talbot sisters over for dinner tomorrow? Oh, those two are a pair of old gossips, said his wife. The only reason they'll be coming is to see if we manage to get rid of all the stains. He didn't plan it in advance, you see, 
said her husband. How was he to know that her sister would drop by unexpectedly? And of course, when the mailman came by to deliver the letters and saw what was going on, obviously he had to go too. It was rather a mess, said Mrs. Griffin. I think I'll have a bath before bed. In the bath where he chopped off her legs? asked her husband. Yes, that one, she replied. The downstairs bath looks a bit too dirty. Well, in that case, I'll just pop into the bathroom while you're getting ready, he said. Mr. Griven was shaving himself in the bathroom when he suddenly felt very strange. Staring at himself in the mirror, he knew there was something wrong. He just didn't feel quite like himself. And then, as he stared at his reflection, an odd sensation came over him, as if his mind was somehow clouded and he wasn't quite in control of his own actions. He quietly opened the bathroom door, walked silently down the hallway, and tiptoed up the stairs to the attic. When he got there, he opened a small cupboard and saw it sitting there in the corner. He had no idea how, but he knew it would be there. The Axe Mistress Griffin was sitting in front of the bedroom mirror, putting up her hair, when she noticed her husband come into the room. His hands were behind his back, almost as if he was hiding something, and there was a curious look on his face. "'What are you thinking, dear?' she asked. I'm thinking, he replied, I won't make such a mess this time. Kitties, are you too scared to continue? I hope not, because we have just one more story left, and I want to make sure to squeeze it in before we end our episode. This story is called Manhole. One morning, a young Japanese girl named Mei was walking to school. On the way, she happened to see another girl playing at the end of the street. For some strange reason, the girl was jumping up and down. May knew that the girl must be attending the same school as her because they were both wearing the same school uniform. When May got closer, she saw that the girl was jumping up and down on a manhole cover. This puzzled May. She wondered what the girl was doing. 
Why was she jumping up and down on the same spot like that? Was she insane? Or was it just a game of some kind? As the jumping continued, May heard the girl muttering to herself, Three, 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 three. As May passed by, she recognized the girl. It was Aruko, a quiet and strange girl in her class who was often the target of bullying. Sometimes the other girls in the class would just ignore Aruko. At other times, they would play cruel pranks on her. The teachers knew she was being bullied, but they just turned a blind eye and did not even bother getting involved. Realizing that school was starting in a few minutes, May hurried off, leaving the strange girl to her odd game. That day in class, May noticed that there was an empty desk. Haruka had not shown up for school. All day, May wondered what the girl was up to. When the school bell rang, all the kids streamed out onto the street. May walked home, and on the way, she came across Aruka again. The girl was still in the same spot she had been that morning, still jumping up and down. May walked up to the girl and stopped right in front of her. The girl just kept jumping as if May was not there. She had a big smile on her face and was saying, Nine, 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 nine. What are you doing? asked May. Aruka did not answer and just went on saying, Nine, 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 nine. I asked you what you're doing, shouted May. The girl just ignored her and kept jumping up and down. May did not particularly like or dislike the girl. She remembered calling the girl some cruel names in the past and bullying her along with her other classmates. Who do you think you are? May shouted. Answer me when I talk to you. Until that moment, May had never hated Aruka like the others did, but the sight of the girl enjoying herself so much and ignoring her so completely filled May with anger. You better tell me what you're doing or you'll be sorry, warned May. The girl went on jumping happily as if she hadn't even heard May's warning. Suddenly, May lost her temper and pushed Aruka to the ground. My turn, said May, as she took the girl's place and stood on the manhole. May jumped up in the air, and at that exact moment, Aruka reached out and removed the manhole cover. 
May fell straight down, down, down. The strange girl got to her feet and replaced the manhole cover. Then with a big smile of satisfaction on her face, she started jumping up and down again. And as she jumped, she said, Ten, 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 ten. I hope you enjoyed these creepy stories for our episode this evening, and I hope you tune in again soon for more Tales of Terror. Until then, be sure to check out my website, myhaunteddolls.com, and purchase your book today, or the boogeyman just might come for you. (laughs) Ah, All kidding aside, enjoy the Checking out the website, my YouTube, even my Facebook page on my My Haunted Dolls, the Facebook page. Be sure to look that up and like it and share it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kitties galore, I bid you good night. Lock your doors, bolt your windows, and stay safe. But by all means... Have a happy haunting.